Full Contact Cannabis. All right, this morning, folks, this is Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. The Old Hand Farmer, and I'm sitting down with Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media of Los Angeles and Chad Wilson, and we're going to talk cannabis. Chad, how are you doing? Doing fine, Jarbo. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here this morning. Chad, could you do a favor for those folks like I've known you because you are a staple in the high CBD cannabis business, mm-hmm. but tell uh, tell the folks a little bit about what you're doing, what you've done, and the company that you have now. Sure. And uh, well, uh, they call, my nickname's been the Hemp Preacher <laughs> since uh, about 2012, I guess. And, uh, you know, I left full-time career to go into hemp um, in 2012. Uh, so I've been doing this a long time. Actually, it was a little bit before that we actually started working on the company in 2009. And uh, of course, we didn't get to grow hemp. Green Remedy is our CBD company. And uh, a lot of folks know us because we're one of the first, you know, out there that was nationally distributed. And uh kind of plowed the way for, I guess you say this third wave that's come on or fourth wave now. Um, but uh, but we we started out with a desire and a mission to help folks using this plant. Uh, as you know, through our past, I was anti-hemp and anti-cannabis. So my journey has been quite quite uh, quite strange and, and magnificent all at the same time. But uh, it's funny, we started a Green Remedy CBD company and producing our own, our own CBD products, you know, just three little country boys. Um, and, uh, and then that grew into Sacred Seed Farm, uh, which now hosts um, Modern Farm Concepts. I supply products to the hemp industry uh, as a bulk distributor. And the real good news is uh, this Saturday, we're opening up our alternative market called Hippie Joe's. You know, that was really supposed to be a CBD dispensary, but laws in Kentucky, unfortunately, Jarbo aren't as free as what they are in Tennessee. Amen. Um, <laughs> we got a lot of reefer madness going on around here. Yeah. You didn't go into it too much, but I think it would uh, be nice if you could go into how much on the earlier part of high CBD cannabis Kentucky played. Oh, geez. We, you know, that's the sad part about all of this. Um, you know, Kentucky was a leader. We were leading the way for folks uh, in CBD production and, and hemp all around. But it's really sad that bureaucrats and uh, reefer madness has put Kentucky in the backside of hemp now. Um, at least that's the way I feel, um, you know, but at, at the beginning of it all with guys like, uh, you know, Craig Lee, one of my mentors, uh, and of course the Hickey fellas and the Graves, uh, uh, and, and thank goodness for Woody Harrelson coming down here and planting a seed back in the early, what, 91, uh, you know, it was the home of it. It was the start of it. And, uh, and to see the shape that we're in now with hemp farmers, it, it's kind of sad and a little bit disappointing. Uh, and I'm very disappointed and and our bureaucratic rulers you started doing cbd then you went into trying to be vertical yes sir. Uh, so now you've transitioned into sacred seeds tell me what your present profit model is well right now um you know i'm going to be honest we this is the first year since 2014 that we haven't had hemp on the farm um we didn't grow this year we stopped all of our genetic programs and everything just to keep costs down because you know, with this pandemic mess and, and then the shape of the hemp industry, uh, we just didn't want to take those uh, take those risks. So we just kind of wanted to see, you know, I mean, I know you were just like me uh, before all this happened. We were preaching, don't go out and plant, plant 100 acres. And, 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 you know, unfortunately, a little bit of greed and, and what farmers do best, and that's working ourselves out of profits because we figure stuff out so good. 
and then we think we got to plant a million acres to get ahead of everybody and that just ain't the case we've we've overproduced and we've hurt the industry and now we're paying the price for it so uh so we're looking and hoping for market correction you know over the next year and and i believe we'll see some next year with a lot of this bad crop disappearing and you know, um, and that moldy hemp in barns getting getting gone, and you know they just need to realize it's compost and uh, put it back on their field, turn it in the ground, and, and let's get this thing right. Um, but you know, we unfortunately this year we did a lot of vegetables and and flowers. Uh, I'll be honest, Jarbo, I don't ever want to grow vegetables again. It's <laughs> a whole lot of hard work, but I'm here to tell you, Pete, I, I I I had that fantasy small farmer vision and dream, I guess, and. And unfortunately, and in our area, they people just don't care for the organic like we did. And so it's been it's been hard, but uh, but we're making. You know, we're going to open these stores up. Hemp's going to come back. We're going to get back into supplying those starter plugs and all those different stuff, and we'll be back in uh, right back and rolling. We just need a little break, and uh, I think hemp needed a few uh, year to breathe. <laughs> well, could, could we uh, could we nominate Chad to be the president? of the hemp industry because in the last two minutes he's explained exactly the state of the entire country you know guys i, I don't know i used to go up and speak at the indiana hemp uh at the horticulture days every year and last year the last year that i went 2019 i guess that well i can't even recall i'm so messed up with all this it was really it was a really an eye-opener you know first guy up there on the scene was talking about telling farmers in 2019 that they was going to make 80 dollars an acre well, I get up there and first thing in the, the head of the events is putting into that. So I get up on the stage and I start hooping, who's going to get rich? Who, who? And everybody, whole crowd's going. And then all of a sudden I holler up, bullshit. <laughs> and told them it wasn't true. Usually after an event, I'd have 15 or 20 people that would come and want to talk to me. Not a single person, because I was speaking the truth at that event. Not a single person wanted to talk to me after that event. But, the, but what I predicted came to pass. Um, you know, I've been in this a while. I've watched the industry and I still watch just like you guys do. Um, there's still a massive amount of opportunity, but you got to be smart. And you, and the biggest thing is you got to know who you're working with because there's a no skin in the game. Brokers are, are hurting the industry. People with no skin in the game. And but the guys, can I say this? Yeah. Companies and I, this might be popular and it might be unpopular, but I got to say it because Jarbo, you know, I always say what I, what I mean. And um but a farmer that's selling his hemp for 75 cents to a dollar a pound, you're making somebody a billionaire and they're getting rich off of your pain and your hurt because you ain't producing that for no 75 cents a pound. I tell farmers, the only way you're going to end this is burn that crop before you sell it to them for 75 cents a pound. Don't let somebody else tell you what to do on your farm and, and set, the, set the market for because you can't even produce that and you're at a losing end. Well, the thing about it is how many of these people really are farmers? You do not have to explain, and I'm sorry, this is going to piss off a lot of people, to a real farmer over supply. Absolutely. You don't have a soybean farmer who, that, and seeing that for two years running, there has been a surplus of soybeans, going to go out next spring and plant friggin' soybeans. Plant corn, don't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing about it is, or I've actually had... Farmers tell me if prices got bad, they would let their land lie fallow. I mean, it is. It's just like, I'd rather go fishing than lose $175 an acre. Absolutely. Yeah. So part of this is full contact cannabis. And we, I, one of the things that really has bothered me about all my brothers and sisters in cannabis that are supposedly trying to enlighten uh, the masses 
is that we've never done a real analytic on how we got into this position in the first place. And that's what really has pissed me off. Yeah, and your benchmarks are all over the place. You know, well, your, your different benchmark companies, they're just all over the place. Well, we have an industry, most agricultural industries are not controlled by projected sales. They're, it's what the sales were last year. That's yeah. how they make their decisions. This industry has been guided by people who go out and say about projected sales. Like 20, I mean, my favorite one was 2025, $20 billion industry. So every man, woman, and child in, in North America is going to do what? Uh, friggin' 50 grams of cannabinoids a year. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. How, how much, though, are the people like that run these expos guilty? And and you uh, you got an opportunity to kind of plead guilty, too. Were you part of the problem initially? I, I don't think so, because, I mean, you know, I think. I mean, you, may, you made it sound. Because... I, I, I've seen you at these things. You yeah. did in the early years make it seem pretty damn cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and it and it was and it, it, it was cool and it was it was. But you know, even me, the most I I don't know if you know this, the most hemp that I've ever planted was my first year was twelve acres, and then after that, I seen I was like, we don't need this. So four acres was all I planted. <laughs> you know, um, and so for somebody, and that's what I always preached was, you know, guys, don't go, don't go get in it with greed and, and try to plant 30, 40, 100 acres. Start out with a half acre, an acre, you know, let us build this industry slow, spread the love around so everybody can get, get, get in on this. Um, but like I said, farmers do what we do best. We figured out how to grow it. And then they, that kicked in and we was like, hey, if I can do this and, and they got, and they wouldn't listen. And, uh, and, and, and that's tragic to say, because, uh, you know, we, there were guys out there screaming the truth, but nobody, nobody would listen to me, you know, and now I've had those same guys come back and say, man, I should have listened to you was right. I, I lost this, this, and this, you know, and just like the guy from, I forgot, Arizona, Arkansas, I can't remember where it was, what called me, said, I got a hundred acres and it, this was in the middle of, uh, I think this was the end of September, 1st of October of, of 2019. I think it was called me said, I got a hundred acres and I don't know how I'm going to get it harvested. And I was like, dude, you should have had that plan before you even put the seed in the ground. So you just had a lot of, of silly mistakes and, and, and guys, I'm Mark. I mean, and Harold, I can't call it nothing more than what it is. And it was great. Let's try to find out to who the culprits were. Yep. And I've got two, 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 my two prime suspects are one, the HIA, the Hemp Industry Association, mm -hmm. and the individuals who make money off of expos. Expos. Okay. And then the big thing I see was, and you know, you, I'm sure you guys seen it, seed dealers. See, well, uh, we've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of, uh, a, a lot of baloney coming out of seed dealers and, and, and kind of pushing that too. So, I mean, expos and stuff too, but at the end of the day, we're, well, you know, is that not still going on to do their job? But the thing about, uh, you know, them guys putting on the expos, them people setting up at the expos, it's their duty to create that. That's how we build that industry. The problem is as a people and as a farmer, we didn't have the common sense to say, okay, I, I shouldn't be buying all of this and swallowing this whole pill. I should look at, you know, what? am I making sense? I, there's a little bit of responsibility on both, but at the end, we have personal accountability and we should have known better. Right. All right. So now 
I looked at the number. I because I'm a nerd. I love looking at the numbers. <laughs> Last year, 2020, there was a hundred thousand uh, acres planted. Uh -huh. They think this year there's going to be a hundred and ten thousand acres. Mm -hmm. And to supply all the United States, uh, yeah, about twenty five thousand acres yep. is needed. Yep, twenty five to thirty thousand. And and I think you know that's the the problem too, supply and demand. I, I don't know what those numbers. You may know. You know what what's the? Uh, do you know the percentage of Americans or that are using CBD? Is that out there anywhere? Yeah, kind of is. About seven percent of the adult population in the United States uses CBD on a regular basis. So the question becomes: In order to grow the market, is how do we continue to get that number from seven percent to you know fifty five percent? But hold on, but that see that's the whole problem though is is that the cannabinoid America wants because I you are, you're selling CBD, aren't you? Can yes. you sell D eight in Kentucky? Well, unfortunately, no. Uh, they they put a ban on it, but you know from what I see in the law, and then you know we look uh, on the thirteenth. We actually had a court, uh, you know, the Kentucky, KYHA, Kentucky Hemp Association, has actually brought a suit against the Ag Department and uh, uh, because of this, and it's keepd8legal.com. You can go to the support there and make, make donations. We've actually made it to the courts, and uh, a judge uh, the other day on the 13th, after looking at it, he said, you know, kind of the DEA tried to do with the statement of principles on CBD. They're kind of doing it the same way. Um, with that Delta eight, they're, they're usurping authority that they don't have. They can make suggestions to put something on a schedule, but they just can't say D8's on a schedule. And, and basically this judge recognized this the other day and he said, and, and in his comments, so we're hoping for a formal, uh, uh, opinion here from him and get this thing settled up in a, in a, I think nine or 10 more days. But as he looked at it, he said, you know, it's not the intent of the law, but the law is the law. And so the farm bill has set place and it excludes those compounds from hemp. So therefore, according to the law, it's legal until they change it or change the farm bill. So that was a that was a big, hopefully, win for the, this movement. But unfortunately, Kentucky has tried to ban D8. Um, and then they're also, you know, threatening, as they always do, unfortunately, threaten farmers. If you do any of this, we're going to take your permit. It's just baloney. I mean, oh, well, the reason I mentioned that, though, Chad, is the fact that down here where D8 is legal and promoted every mm -hmm. possible place you could do it, we realized we started losing our CBD customers yes. to, to our D8 customers. Yes. What we have found is that a bunch of the people who said they really like CBD, if they had the choice, would use D8, prefer D8. So yeah. my whole point is, is there... How is it realistic to think that we're going to expand past 12, 13% of our adult population doing CBD when they want D10, D9, D8? Well, I believe, and this is my, this is my, my opinion. I, I believe CBD. Uh, the problem is, is once again, reefer madness and prohibition, people always want what they can't have. Um, and, and the, and this drug war has failed anyway, you know, come and visit my small town. Cannabis isn't the problem, whether it's hemp, whether it's D8, whether it's straight on marijuana. Um, you know, my small town is plagued with 
doctor prescribed pills, meth, and now dirty brown heroin in a little town that's over just 2,200 people. Uh, and that's the plague across most of this country. And until lawmakers get their head out of their tail and realize that cannabis is a way to help end uh, and assist some of these stronger addictions, then, uh, and we've seen that, you know, we've seen when cannabis comes in, uh, alcohol use goes down, drug use, uh, illegal drug use goes down, and pills and things. If we give them an alternative, CBD still has value. And, and, and guys, I believe the biggest hindrance that we have to CBD is CBD should be, it is so important to, to mankind. I believe this with all my heart that it should be on a food label, just like any other nutrient. And it should be in, 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 in foods. And the federal government should be opening up legal pathways to get this product in food, food, on food labels, and opening up also that feed market. You know, it's slowly happening, but we need that, these things to happen faster because we have a lot of farmers that have, just like me, that have made huge capital investments. I built a cannabis farm, and now I can't grow <laughs> to make well, a living. But was it? And, and this is my observation. Was it an artificial market in the first place? And, and that's no, what I don't I'm think it is. was an artificial market. But but like I said, I, I think at the point, it's just like, you know, you hit people want D8. It's going to get back to education. Um, the realization that all of these can cannabinoids are important. We need, I believe in full plant, D8, you know, everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm a full plant guy. Um, I believe that's the way this thing's, thing's going to be. I think the D8 will be a fad for a while, especially until legal marijuana. Whoa, 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 whoa. You get pushback on that. Where did you get that idea? That's going to be a fad? Yeah. The thing is, is as states progress and we start, I mean, legal D8 from hemp, um, it's, we're going to move through and as states continue to legalize marijuana, oh, I just don't, I, I won't see, I don't see. No, that. see but, oh, that's what right here. This is what, I, where I think part of the problem is with our industry and it's all over. Okay. We make these decisions on, well, this is this and this without talking to customers. Yeah. Now when we started selling Tennessee homegrown, started selling D8 products to rec states that told me something no it's not a fad you don't think so oh no my god do you know the whole thing about it was it was the cannabinoid for its time because yeah. how many people do you know their favorite way to do cannabinoid is edibles yep yeah. all right anybody's taken d9 edibles on any sort of regular base knows that maybe one out of five times you take it same amount and by golly, it's not nearly as much fun as you thought it was going to be. <laughs> now, this is the thing about D8. D8 is the mama bear of cannabinoids. Yep. It, it takes off the edge of a day, but it does not get on top of you. And this is what I'm talking about with the market. We don't really know what people want because they've never had the choice. But what we found out in Tennessee, having the choice... And, and having access to D9, they would still take D8. Really? Yes. That's very interesting. Well, uh, Step. You, Steps lives in LA. Uh huh. Step, what's your favorite cannabinoid? Um, well, <laughs> it, would definitely, it would definitely be uh, edible THC. But in D8 or D9? Uh, D9. I mean, you know, like, 
if I have access to it. If I'm in a state such as Tennessee or Kentucky, then it's going to be D8. Well, I think, you know, we're still, we're still, it's still brass tacks, I, I guess, because I guess what I'm trying to say is, and, and then it also comes down to, to eventually how, how's this going to be regulated? And that's um, the, that year on it right there. That's the yeah. big deal is where's is the regulation going to land? Yeah. And we predicted, I mean, Harold, we predicted this, what's happening right now, years ago, we, we called it the cannabinoid run. I mean, and we've seen that, the D8, D10, you know, and we, we you know, it, it was CBD, then it was, you know, CBDA, CBD, and blah, 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 CBN, and it's the cannabinoid run, because there's profit in, as we, as we continue to, to figure out how to separate these cannabinoids, um, you know, and we knew this was going to happen, but I guess the, you know, like I said, like, and let's just like put Mark there, I think it's really going to depend on regulation and how laws come down and how things are looked at. And then that's going to decide. But I think at the end of the day, we just need to quit saying hemp. We need to quit saying marijuana. It's all just cannabis. And let's, let's just remove prohibition um, and quit murking and dirty in the waters because uh, this is going to upset some people. But a lot of activists make their own problems because they dirty the water. And what I mean by that is when you go to try to talk to Kentucky senators and legislators, they are so confused. First, we got old timey reefer madness thinking to begin with to battle. And then you combine that with misinformation and, you know, they don't understand D8, D10, they, they CBD, and they don't want to. They use it as their, they use their voluntary ignorance as their excuse. Uh, and, and we're beyond that. But I, I think that that, that we're in is where the problem is, is because it's just cannabis and we don't need to dirty the waters. And, and, and you know, I don't believe in saying cannabis is medical or recreational. It's not anybody but the person that's using its choice. And we know that cannabis has positive health benefits. So all cannabis use is essentially health, health and medical. So I just don't like putting them tags on it. What I'd like to say is let's have just let's just open up the cannabis market, whether you choose to grow MJ or whether you choose hemp. Um, it's just time to, to end those definitions and clean up the water and make it clear again. So here we are, 2021. Yep. You have proverbially burnt your ships on the beach there's only one way to go is to, you know you're in this for the whatever for the duration yep what are your plans over the next 18 months you know we're we're looking and, and trying to figure that out right now um unfortunately uh like like a lot of uh, small businesses uh, during the pandemic um, a very large amount of our small businesses were shut down and and of course is that supply you know that that filters down to us all and i know that we've all experienced that so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting through this pandemic getting life back to normal so that we can get back because you know for us uh, it's been real hard. You know, I sell, I'm a wholesale, uh, a bulk supplier for a lot of products and not having that access to trade shows and stuff uh, has really hurt us. So I'm looking forward to the trade shows that, that are starting to come back. Um, I'm going to concentrate here, uh, e even with Green Remedy. You know, we usually plant about 600 acres a year to support roughly, um, to support our company. Last year, we only did 300 and this year we're we're probably only going to do about because with reserves we're probably going to only going to do about 50 to 75 so we're adjusting our inputs to what we see happening looking to the future because i believe it is going to still hemp still promising and i still believe it belongs on every small farm uh, there's just too many ben benefits to it 
so, um, you know, over the winter, we're going to continue. Um, we're talking about the other day, just firing up our shipping containers and working on our genetics. Um, and, and then just preparing because basically what I'm looking for is next season. If anybody out there, I have 50 acres of, of production here on the farm. I have organic and conventional production. I have 8,000 square feet of greenhouse space. I have two ship modified shipping containers that can kick out 15,000 clones each uh, about every 12 days. So, you know, we built the cannabis farm that we can't use. Uh, so, you know, for me, I'm looking for folks that, that we can have some synergy with and uh, we've got the machinery and pop out plants and all that kind okay. of stuff. Okay, but I got, I, all right, my head's spinning right now. So you guys are running through how many acres of material a year? We did 600 acres. And, you're, and, some, you, and, you, and you used all that biomass? We don't use it all. We've sold some. We have a lot of it extracted. And, and some of that, up until this happened, yeah, we was effectively well, moving. No, I'm talking about though now. Oh, because oh no, this not is, now. Like this said, is, just, yeah. And so we're just, like I said, as a company, uh, we, we've tucked and, and are processing everything, getting it down into crude and getting it into storage and clearing up the warehouses space and stuff. Um, but yeah, we, we sold a lot of that out off too to other buyers through, through our relationships. But, okay, um, so, but how many acres did you grow this year? Uh, this year we, this year we didn't, I meant last year, I'm sorry. And uh, okay. All we right. did, yeah, we did 300. We typically did, we did 580 the, and, and then last year, uh, we did uh three right at 300. I think it was 280. This is my question. As a yeah. But this, this is a part I don't understand where I'm trying to figure out the new profit model, because this is the whole point about this whole damn show it is a realistic way for how cannabis professionals make their money, make their decisions and plan for this stuff. Is it economically feasible to keep growing it? Well, I mean, I don't understand. Are, is it because you guys really love the plant or the, you, you're not getting the quality? Because it, with all this excess material out there, it seems like it would behoove your profit model just to buy pre-existing biomass. Let me tell you why we uh, did it this way. When we first got in the industry, as you know, we were one of the first out there. Mm -hmm. And our problem that we seen is, as in being in the first, is we couldn't get the quality that we, we that we desired. Um, we couldn't we couldn't get what we needed at the beginning, and and so we found ourselves depending on others, and then we couldn't get stuff. So that's when, as a company, we said, "Hey, we got to keep this streamlined," and that's when we started doing everything totally in house. The thing about it, us, it just works for us. You know, our, our main facility is in Louisville. I'm down in Cave City, which is only about an hour away. And then our main farming area is in Bardstown, which is, you know, 35, 40 minutes south of our factory. So all this just kind of worked perfect for, for our model. Um, and, and, uh, and we just basically went into independent mode and, and, and built, because you guys know this, there was so much misinformation. There was so much underhandedness. There was so much untruths at the beginning of this industry uh, and what I call parasites, uh, people. And then the, the other big problem is folks that have invested to start the industry, when the industry starts to tumble, uh, they were scrambling, you know, so you had, you had a lot of folks trying to figure out how to make money and there was a lot of things getting burnt. You've seen this bad seeds, bad clones, yada, yada, yada. So as a company, we just said, we're not gonna take part on that anymore uh, until this industry starts to starts to get balanced out. 
And our model has always been was to work with a group of farmers. And we have a group of farmers that, that do work with us. And we planned on expanding that. But then, you know, the industry happened and life happened. So, like I said, our concept was to, we just kind of pulled into ourselves to stay strong because I'm not going to lie to you. We were ripped off. One of our very first steps in this industry was a major loss to a, to an underhanded person. And now that's all I'll say about it. But it was a very major loss. And that's um, for a young company. And that's when we went and looked at ourselves and the partners. And we was like, no, we, we trust each other and we trust ourselves. And that's we kind of just came in on ourselves um, to build to build Green Remedy. Does that make sense? Well, it, uh, it did in 2019. Yeah. Okay, my whole thing is. But my that, thing is at this point, why should I change? It works for me. Well, but all right. But yeah, I have, a group of, I have a group of growers. I know um, you do. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, and this is my premise I don't know if the profit model that existed back there can exist in the years coming. Because, all right, part of it was we were like you guys. We had a couple great years. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, Sometimes I'll think about, about 2018, 2019, and, and I'll get all weepy. It yeah. was that good. Yeah. But right here, right now, just one of our guests, Dr. Weintraub, who's president of the Hemp Authority, right? If you listen to these people, they think we're going to go away. And, and the only reason, because what's, what is there when there is interstate banking? What are the big companies going to do? And... Yeah. It does that small little, what do you want to call us, mid-sized, smaller companies, does it have a place? Well, small always has a place because the quality and the care and the love of the product, I think, shows through the product and through, through the company and, and through product production itself. There are going to be some challenging times. I mean, you guys, me and you've talked, you know, we've got four, and this is sad, but it's happening, so we got to face the reality of it. My understanding is, is we have four over $70 million facilities coming into Kentucky and Southern Indiana that are owned by foreign, um, mostly the Chinese is my understanding, uh, Chinese nutraceutical companies. Um, so, you know, with that, and those big facilities are saying they can, they can process, you know, 10,000 pounds or whatever a day, that number is, um, we are going to see a change in the industry, but I still think craft can exist. I still think small has a hold, um, can, can grab a foothold in that market. Um, but, but, you know, those are the challenges that's coming up, but is that good or bad? I, I don't know yet because that opportunity is going to open up doors for Kentucky farmers. But my thing is, is, you know, we, we can't, we can't grow this crop for, for two fifty a pound. I mean, well, no, but that's, but hold it. That's my point though. Yeah. Why does the cannabis industry forego what happened to wheat, corn, and soybeans? Because right now, I mean, let's face it, just farming in general, if you're a row cropper, it's a tough time. Absolutely. It is a, okay. So why do we get insulated from that? Because we grow cannabis? I don't think, I don't think that we will. Um, but that's what I'm saying is, yeah. if it comes in here and large corporations come in, they will, they're going to do two things. One, big agro farms. And the second thing, they will go and pick and choose small boutique companies and yeah. buy them. They'll buy them out. There's going to be, there's going to be yeah, a buyout. Yeah, but what I'm saying is they will have the pockets to, uh, and it's like, I'm, I'm just being honest about Tennessee yeah. homegrown. We don't know how much of the future we have. Yeah. And we're the same way. I mean, we know that. I mean, 
you know, but the thing about it is, is I do still believe there's always going to be unique craft uh, because there are sections of the population that are devoted to to you and 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 the craft that that we do and don't want to buy from the big. Uh, and then, of course, there is going to be those, and we've already seen it in some, the buyouts, and uh, they choose who they want. So there's that that also. Um, but I'm like you, I, I don't know. I think we're still at a point, like I said, just coming out, starting to pull out of this pandemic and trying to get life a little bit and trying to get life back to normal. Um, I think only time is going to tell, but I agree 100%. There, there's going to be some buyouts. There will be some that make it. The big thing is, I think, for craft right now is setting your foot in and that you are craft, that you are special. And then taking, and I think it's also really important for small, um, especially small cannabis companies, you got to come in and be a part of your community. Um, and that way you can get brand loyalty within your community and within, within a region. You know, we don't have to control the whole world in this. We just have to make a living and keep our company alive. So if we can be strong within a section or a region and, and secure that region, that gives us income. And then that also does set it up to where we can gain some attention for or, or your company or anybody's company or these big guys that do see us because that is going to be a rally. There will be a buyout. Can I ask you, uh, it's, it's going to be an ag question. Okay. One of the debates that I've had with people, industry professionals from wherever, in America, we love the economy of scale. Mm-hmm. What do, in your mind is an optimum size growth? Let's say if you, you want really high-end flour, mm-hmm. how big of a grow would you do? I think, and, and this is going to be unpopular some too, but you know, it's almost like we need, like they did in tobacco, a half acre, a quarter acre, whatever. The thing is, is farmers have to realize if this, if we can balance this, get this industry balanced back out, uh, supply and demand and, and grow, um, you know, you don't have to plant those. If we're looking at craft and we can open up this market where I can sell my floral or I can make products. One of the things that we have observed, everybody, is, is that the large companies that have tried to come in, and Canada is the poster child. Yeah. I mean, I, we've heard of million square foot greenhouses. Greenhouses. Yeah, just ridiculous. Well, that got hit. Yeah. They got hit by a pathogen. And within 96 hours, they had a, basically a couple million dollars worth of cannabis die. Yeah. So the down here is, is everybody's trying to feel their way around. And you've been growing this for a long time. Yes, sir. Uh, do you get to grow? I mean, I, I know that it, although you can't grow for, you can still grow for flour in Kentucky as long as you export it, right? Yes, yes. They, you can still, ex, you can export it right. out. Out there, seeing that, like, you know, I have 300 acres. Like, to me, the most acres, and that was the first couple of years that I had everything to do with was 50, 60 acres. Yeah. And that was scary. It's a chore. Uh, so when you're doing this, because this is, I, I know we've been chewing on this a while, and but this is the other question. We got these people from Texas and all these other people who are now into this doing big. Yeah, Texas is fixing to have a, they're fixing to, yeah, they're fixing yeah, they're to get, to get their clock cleaned. That's just yeah, so they're fixing to, yeah, exactly. I, I've heard that, you know, the, yeah, you're fixing to see, you got it right. Their clock's fixing to get clean. Uh, so, but okay. So what was the logistical nightmares when you had, when you were doing 300 acres? Uh, well, you know, our big thing is we went into it slow and planned. Um, you know, workforce um, is always a challenge, a good workforce. 
and then just the initial of trying to figure it all out in, in that on that scale uh, you know equipments and wagons and getting getting it from point a to point b and then storing it properly to to get it in uh, but so it don't mold or mildew and, and basically everything that the small farmer that we dealt with as we were figuring this out in the beginning multiply that by 100 <laughs> But, but, you know, there was a, the, just the logistical challenges of, of workforce getting in, working through the weather, getting it in before, you know, and getting it hung and dried and, and, and uh, shut down and, and properly stored. Um, but like I said, just magnified it a hundred times. Why don't you think this is talked about more? Because it's the truth and the reality of the industry and it. Um, I mean, the logistics, one of those things, because I get asked to speak. And they, and they go, well, what, you know, like, what should it do and whatever. And if you say, well, it's the logistics and you start going into it, their eyes roll back in their friggin' head. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody, especially when they first come in new to this plant and, you know, we've seen it, it um, you, you get all sparkly at it, whether it's hemp or marijuana, MJ, cannabis in general, it's easy to get green glazed with the eyes. Um, and, uh, and you see that a lot, uh, just, just wanting to grow it. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's an exciting plant with a, with a very bright future. I believe that with all my heart across many applications. We got caught up on the CBD and the cannabinoid train, food, fuel, and fiber. I mean, you know, I'm still excited about fiber. Uh, I'm still excited about biofuels. There's just so much possibility with this plant. But, you know, we just put too much of a focus on CBD, and then everybody thought they was going to get rich quick, and, and that just didn't happen. Okay, but irregardless, you're doing fiber, seed oil, whatever. To me, and my observations going on farms, mm -hmm. the, the thing where most cannabis businesses failed, especially the ones that were trying to be vertical, was the logistics. Yeah. It was the, I, I mean, if you heard the horror stories I have of literally 50, 60, $100,000 worth of hemp going bad because they didn't have uh, yep. the, it's the, just like I said earlier. Um, you know, but, and, okay, but. Why, why is not the industry addressing this move? Well, you know, we got to, we can't deny the facts too. Our industry is a mess. Um, yeah. Got um, there. HIA, H, and this is, might be popular and it might be unpopular, but HIA has turned into something that it should have never been. And it seems like to me, it's just a group of people pushing their own interest instead of pushing the industry now. That may upset a few, but it's just what I see. And because uh, I'm no longer a part of the HIA because I, I believe that I'm KYHA, Kentucky Hemp Industry and the Kentucky Hemp Farmers Association. The thing is, is, is everybody gets glazy eyes with this. And, and just like you got to before you plant your first seed, you got to have that logistics worked out all the way from beginning to harvest in. And that's where we failed. We didn't we didn't teach these young farmers that the logistics was more important than getting the seed in the ground because our message was always plant the seed. <laughs> and that was a great message for the time but you know we should have said plant the seed with some thought <laughs> and uh, uh and and that's where we got that's where and i guess you know we could i could be um a part of that because i mean you know I, I i was good on the hemp train there on the hemp height uh, but my thing is is i could get you excited about it but i would also sit down and if you take the time and talk to me i'll talk to you about the hard truths of the plant too um, you know, I, I, we wanted to educate and get people fired up, but I would also talk about the realities of it. And it's just sad that 
people got so caught up in the, the like I said, this the cannabinoid chase and the money chase of that, that, that they just didn't listen to some old timers. And, and I think that's part of the reason why we, why we got here as well. But I, I think there's a way out of this. I, I think through, uh, if, we, if we could get some of our, our, our uh, government to help us, the Farm Bill helped us grow this plant. And then it almost seemed like the federal government just said, eh, whatever. And, it, and we've been battling the whole way. Every time we turn around, the DEA this, FDA this. We, we, we can't seem to get a clear path from our government leaders how to move this promising industry forward without a lot of struggle. And we're still battling with a lot of the same stuff as when we started. And that's what's unfortunate and sad. Steph, you got any questions? The government does move slowly. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious as to looking forward, what these big companies, if they're processing 10,000 pounds a day, what are they going to do with it? Yeah, and I think you're going to have a problem. I think a lot of them, you know, and this is just me talking and from what I, I feel, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of this coming in. It's, it's, well, it's Chinese companies. And let's just face it, we've seen this in the beginning, Chinese CBD coming in. Remember, hit the, hit, hit the California coast. It yep. was tainted uh, with lead. I don't know if y'all remember that. Oh, the metal, metals? Yeah, the heavy metals and stuff. People, people aren't going to want it from China. So what, what do you do? You go to America, you build a plant, you, you're already an international nutraceutical company. So now you're peddling American grown hemp through a Chinese company to the world. That's what I believe they're doing. You so know, do, you think, do you think the majority of it would be exported or do you think it would stay domestic? I, I, and this is just my feeling. I, I, I believe they're going, they're really going to, uh, they're, I mean, they're going to do both, I, I'm sure, but I, I believe a lot of it's going to hit the international market. I, I would, I would agree with you there. I feel like yeah. they're just, they're just coming here to farm. Because if you say, if you say, uh, I'm, I'm going to buy American processed CBD or Chinese processed CBD, which one are you going to buy? Right. You know, I don't know. I guess it depends on how you look at it, but uh, are they using us? Or are they are they helping our farmers? I, I I don't know. I guess that I guess we'll see, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Because the reality is, is uh, what are you guys hearing? I'm hearing, you know, possibility, and I've been in talks with some companies, and I'm hearing there may be five and six dollars a pound next season. Wow. Well, yeah. the, the thing about it is, though, this is twofold little crime here. Can the American farmer have the discipline? Not to grow it until there's a market. Well, I think it, it won't come down to discipline. <laughs> It'll come down to financials. Well, no, but I mean, it is. I mean, yeah. in other aspects, a farmer chooses what he grows, when he, or she grows, and the type and things. Yes. And that as long as you have three and four times the amount being grown that the market can absorb, Nothing will change because this is no different than. That's salt. absolutely true. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, you, we our problem is, and you hit it, is we you know we built we we supersized an industry before we supersized the market, and that's and that's where uh, I think you know, and that's where we failed. We got caught up in in the hype. Uh, and grew way too much, but and we outgrew the market. And you know, if, if we're at seven percent, we we still got a lot of market that we have to gain. I mean, it's still funny that I come across people that don't know what CBD is. I, I still find that astonishing today. Now, we need to talk to you at a future date. Sure. Well, because like I said, there's probably not too much more of a dynamic industry 
then the cannabis industry is right here, right now. Absolutely. I agree with uh, that. Chad, because you started early in the game, you've seen it all and your grasp of it and your explanation of past to present to future is, is really solid. And yeah. so it'd always be great to update with you on what's next, what's next. Oh, it'd be my pleasure. You know, uh, my main thing on this and the reason I got into this is the farmer. I'm tired of seeing small farms struggle and, um, you know, whether it's growing vegetables or, or whatever that crop is, we, you know, big, big farms and, and, and you know, mid-sized farms within the next 10 years are, are going to be gone. Cannabis is the redistribution of wealth. And, 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 I, and I believe that I, if, if our government would allow, but it's sad because uh, you guys we're seeing down even in Florida in the marijuana market, big cannabis is going in and killing you know, they're bringing lawsuits against mom and pop dispensaries because they find a location that me and you put one in. Then they find some reason to sue you and you can't fight them their money. So you wind up selling out to them. And that's happening in Florida right now. There's a lot of problems with this industry, but I still believe that it's that if we have a group of activists that can will continue to fight. I believe this is a great industry, uh, and I believe it's the redistribution of wealth, and it allows the farmer to grab hold of his farm and say, yes. You know, I was at an event one day, and, and uh, speaking at an event, and a guy called me up, and he said, I want to buy 50,000 um, 50, pounds of biomass, and he said, I'll give you this for it. I literally hung up on him. He called back, because I didn't even, I, I mean, he just, and he calls back, and he says, hey, I want to buy that. I'm going to give you this for it. I hung up on him. He called me back. And, he's, and, and I, I told him, he said, I'm going to buy it. I said, no, you're not. I said, I'll take it to the field and burn it. It's this price. You'll either buy it at this price or you won't buy it. And he said, oh, okay, well, I'll buy it. Farmers have to realize there may be an excess of material, but if you got good power, they that buy it really essence are not in control. You are because you have the product that you grew. Yes, I understand, but farmers have to realize their value and they have to realize that they do and can control the cards. And I think that's why you've seen a lot of small farmers do processing their own CBD and going to the farmer's markets, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, they can't exist without us. And we have to realize our value. One quick question. If yep. the laws in the next six months change totally in Kentucky, what would be the cultivar you would grow? And the sense of high CBD, High CBG, high THC. What is it if you got your choice? If I could it? do anything that I wanted to in the state of Kentucky right now, I would turn my Hippie Joe's market that I'm opening up this weekend. I mean, it's set up to be a dispensary. Um, I would choose a high CBD line and I would choose a, a, a cannabis marijuana line. I, I believe in the value of CBD and there are some people that don't want to, you know, they don't want that head high. Um, and I believe there is a still yet a market for good quality uh, consumable CBD flour. Um, I don't look to leave that, you know, I, I'm still working on the mammoth cultivar that we've been working on for what, six years now. <laughs> yep. I, I think there's a place for both. I believe there's a market for both. Um, but, um, I, and that's where my farm would like to be. Well, you know, you kind of dodged that question pretty doggone well. I should so have been a politician, shouldn't I? Yeah, I know. So right now, unless Mr. Stepp has something else to ask. No, you. I, didn't really, I didn't really ignore it. My, my place, CBD. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying, though. But you got your favorite, right? Yeah. You got your, but that's okay. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you like growing cannabis. We, we love you for that. Yep. So right now, if people want to get a hold of you, I mean, if somebody was, has the foresight to say, you know, I'm going to need 100,000 clones next spring, mm -hmm. they can get a hold of you. You can do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what I kind I of can do clones, I can do seated trays, I, I can do whatever. That's what I kind of need you to do at this point is sure. if they get a hold of you, what are your services mm -hmm. and how can they get a hold of you? Sure. Um, Green Remedy, of course, does white labeling, does uh, does extraction. Um, and then, of course, with Green Remedy, we are looking for people that would like to carry our product uh, in, their, in their storefront. So they can reach out at chat at greenremedy.com. Sacred Seed Farm is my hemp farm. And on that farm sets modern farm concepts, my, my organic garden center and supply. And then through that, I, I bulk supply and drop ship to farmers in this industry and can help them, guide them through uh, products and proven products because I only sell what we use and I only sell what works. If it don't make a farmer money, there ain't no sense in putting it on the plant. Um, and then uh, Hippie Joe's, like I said, is our hippie market that we're opening up. Um, it will be a CBD um, you know, like I said, our laws here are a little, we don't have your freedoms. Um, but chat at greenremedy.com, sacredseed uh, at gmail.com. Uh, of course, they can just reach me on my, on my uh, uh, cell phone, uh, on my store mobile. It's 270-612-1749. And of course, on Facebook uh, and, and LinkedIn and Instagram, they can look up uh, all of those business names and find us there as well. But love to help farmers and would love to be an act, uh, a point that, uh, you know, my thing is this, you got to lead these young farmers because they're still going to be farmers getting this. We got to lead them out on the right foot. We got to help them get in here and to build their farm strong and to help build this industry and keep us strong. But we got to do it wise. We got to do it smart and we got to do it in small controlled grows. And uh, none of this planting, you know, uh, if you're an independent farmer, don't be planting 20, 30, 40 acres your first year out. Do a half acre to an acre and stay small until the till the industry balances out and 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 the market shares grow sage advice you do know that you're probably going to get a bill for that that was a frigging commercial <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so we have been blessed to have chad wilson of green remedy and sacred seeds as a guest today as always we have mark step we have uh harold jarbo aka the old head farmer and this podcast full contact cannabis a podcast is sponsored by tennessee homegrown and we'd love for you to check out our products as always hemp puppies and hemp dogs keep one eye on the weather and the other eye on the market full contact cannabis is a tennessee homegrown and uppercut media production you can find tennessee homegrown on facebook linkedin and twitter visit our website tnhomegrown.com for more background and information covered in our podcast. Full Contact Cannabis is created by Jarbo, the old hemp farmer. Post-production services provided by Uppercut Media and can be reached at uppercutmedia.com.